3: Hello, you're listening to Bloomberg Westminster, your daily guide to British politics. I'm Sebastian Salik.
1: And a very good afternoon. I'm Roger Hearing. Now, today, of course, we're focusing very directly on a key issue, uh, which is immigration. The number of people trying to get across the channel right now into Britain and the government's efforts to stop them and the rights and wrongs of it all. But first of all, there are a number of things that have been happening in the last 24 hours in relation to the government's efforts to fend off the virus. And, Seb, the key one, I suppose, is people are on holiday in France.
3: Yeah, busy, busy news flow. So if you're in France or if you're going to France, you're going to have to quarantine when you get back. There's been a rush to the ports in the country, people trying to get back. You've had the Euro tunnel saying that uh, that just everybody who wants to get back isn't going to be able to. And the French are also talking about reciprocation. So keep an eye on that. If you're headed to the country, the question, though, is how enforceable is all of this? How do you make somebody stay in their home once they've come back from another country?
1: And talking of enforceable, what about social distancing when it comes to the lockdown easing? We're learning that a lot more of that's coming uh, in England, at least. Theatres, bowling alleys and casinos are allowed to reopen. But there will be fines for people breaking restrictions, not wearing a mask in particular, or possibly hosting gatherings of more than 30 people. In fact, with the mask, the fines are going up quite dramatically to a total,
3: if you really just stick to not wearing a mask, of £2,300. Yeah, they double and double, don't they? And meanwhile, it's worth mentioning Labour sticking the boot in on A-level results. This is the story that's been rolling for the last few days. Keir Starmer demanding a U-turn on what he calls fatally flawed uh, computer model that was used to uh, to predict essentially what the A-level results would have been, and he's demanding a review because remember next week we get GCSE results, so we could be in for this whole furore all over again. So he's he's wants a review to get that right. So he so he says.
1: Right, well anyway, let's, let's get to the subject of today's special migration. As I mentioned, the government's turned its focus on the hundreds of refugees crossing the Channel this month. Boris Johnson described the crossings as, quote, a very bad and stupid and dangerous and criminal thing. Here's the Immigration Minister, Chris Philp, speaking
3: after a meeting with the French authorities. We have reaffirmed our unshakable shared commitment to making sure this route of crossing the Channel is made unviable it is facilitated by ruthless criminal gangs it puts lives at risk and it is totally unnecessary and then of course this comes within the prism i suppose of brexit the government touting its reforms to the country's immigration system home secretary priti patel was talking about this in parliament in july have a listen
4: Last year, the British people voted to get Brexit done and introduce a point-space immigration system. Mr Speaker, we are doing exactly that. Um, But despite the best efforts of the party opposite, we are ending free movement and we are introducing a point-space system...
1: And that was pretty Patel. Well, joining us now is Anne McLaughlin, SNP MP for Glasgow North East, also co-chair of the All-Party Parliamentary Group on Refugees. Anne, thanks for being with us. Welcome to the programme. Um, First of all, basic question, is the government doing this right at the moment? Oh, (laughs)
4: uh, no. (laughs) The government is doing it um, very, very wrong. And to quote Boris Johnson, what they're doing is very bad and stupid and dangerous. Um, certainly the language they're using around this is dangerous. I think, you know, I'm tired of using parliamentary language and I'm tired of having debates with this government. We are dealing with people in absolutely desperate circumstances that we would never want to find ourselves in and we've got to deal with it humanely and compassionately. And no, they are not doing that.
3: So, and what is the solution then? What should the government be doing?
4: one solution, but there's a number of different solutions. So if you want to look at uh, Cali, I spent four days doing what was called a a witness-bearing trip um, to the jungle in Cali with a group of people, including psychologists, other politicians, people who had been refugees in the UK. And um, we found so many people there who have family in the UK, but they're not allowed to, to, they are allowed under the Dublin regulations to be reunited with family in the UK, but it just wasn't happening. That's one thing that we could do. We could we could do what we signed up to and we could allow people who have family living in the UK to come from those camps and the camps in Greece and, and resettle them in the United Kingdom. But we do do it sometimes, we don't do it quick enough and we don't
1: do enough of it. But, and that is specific to one particular group. I mean, just to be apt to get the line sorted out here, do you think there should be any restrictions on people being allowed to come into the UK as migrants?
4: Yeah, I think you have to have restrictions. Um, uh, but, you know, when we're talking about people who are illegal, they're not illegal. They, often people come here, they claim asylum they're turned down, they're referred to by the government as failed or illegal, and then their their application is overturned there by a, by a court of law. So they did legally have a case to lift here in the first place. So we're talking, there's so many people entitled to apply and entitled to get asylum and refugee status, and they don't get it. But of course, every country, you know, Priti Patel keeps talking about controlling our borders. Well, Scotland and Scotland, I want to control their borders, but for a very different reason. I want to control our borders so that we can offer a, a compassionate, humane solution. Not to everybody in the world. Of course, we can't do that. But I will point out that the countries that have the most refugees are often the poorest countries, like Bangladesh has thousands upon thousands of refugees. We're feeling a little bit sorry for ourselves here. We're feeling invaded, but that's because we're being lied
3: to about that. So would you send people back then if they didn't meet these criteria? Is that the way to deal with them?
4: Well, it depends what you're sending them back to. So it depends what criteria you're talking about. Um, Most people coming here and, you know, I have friends who were refugees who I became friends with when they were going through the asylum process. One has become part of my family. So... I know very well what people go through and how hard it is for them to talk about it, but we we just can't imagine what people are going through and, and and there was a time when this particular person I'm talking about um who I now refer to as my brother Campbell from sudan he he was to be sent back to um to sudan and he and and then suddenly the u k this is many years ago the u k government said, hang on, nobody can be sent back there because it was really dangerous of course it was dangerous. But the week before, they were ready to send them back. So I think we just have to look at, you know, do people need our support or the support of other countries? And if they do, then we give them it, because we would want that support. If suddenly we woke up and our children were in danger, we'd want other countries to help us.
1: And I mean, those are difficult cases, of course, uh, and we know that. But the vast majority of people in the UK, when the surveys are taken, want tighter controls on migration. So the popular support that you would need, uh, and certainly the government needs, uh, simply wouldn't be behind making looser, easier uh, regulations. You know what?
4: I think politicians have a role to play, and that role is leadership. So um, in Scotland... Uh, the SNP government but governments before the SNP government played a leadership role in telling the truth to people about migration and about how much we needed it and about how many of us have come from immigrant families and they told the truth about the impact that our actions, the UK's actions and the West's actions had on other countries that meant that these people needed asylum so they told the truth and here in Scotland the majority of people are supportive of taking more people in. So that's because they played a leadership role. So the UK government, in actual fact, should be saying, right, okay." opinion polls at the moment are saying this, but we're going to tell you the truth about how much we benefit from immigration. We're also going to tell you the truth about how our past led to people having to flee their countries. And if they were to do that, if they were to take that leadership role, not just them, the media as well, then I think you would find those opinion polls turning around. But I don't think politicians' jobs are to say, what do the opinion polls say? Right, we'll do that. It's to lead by example.
3: What about the argument that other EU countries should be picking up some of the flak here, especially if these refugees are travelling through those countries? Uh, what, what would you make of that argument?
4: Well, uh, of course I agree that other European countries should be, but they are. Look at what happened in Greece um, a few years back when the economy of Greece completely collapsed. And then thousands of desperate people descended on their shores. And what did they do? Did they say, sorry, we've no money, we're all out of work, you're going to have to go back? No, they said, yes, you can stay. Now, the, the, the champs at the moment in Greece are absolutely dreadful, but what I'm saying to you is that other European countries absolutely do uh, play their part. Some of them need to do more, but the UK certainly needs to do more, and the UK certainly has stop saying to to other countries, it's your problem, it's not our problem, because it's everybody's problem, everybody's
5: responsibility. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline, it's teamwork, and it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Steeple dot com. That's stife dot com.
3: Steeple Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Let's continue our special, which today is on the topic of migrants, what with the numbers of people crossing the channel increasing. Let's get into what these debates mean for real people. Joining us now is Beheshti Beheshtizadeh. He's an immigration solicitor who arrived himself in the UK, age 23, as a refugee. Um, Karve, first of all, tell us a bit about your story. It's it's quite remarkable uh, hearing from somebody who, who did all of this and is now working in the immigration space, helping other people who arrive in this country.
2: Thank you, Sebastian. Well, I grew up in Iranian Kurdistan, and at the age of 17, I started my political activities against the Iranian regime. And that put me in trouble with the Iranian regime. So I had to leave Iran, and I joined the Kurdistan Democratic Party of Iran, which was based in Iraqi Kurdistan. I was there for about three years, and before the Iraq war started, I knew that it would be extremely dangerous to stay in Iraq. So I decided to leave Iraq. I then went to Turkey and claimed asylum via UNHCR in Turkey, and I was there for about two years. My asylum was accepted by the UNHCR, and the Finnish authority accepted my case. But the Turkish authority didn't let me to leave Turkey legally and go to Finland. So I had no option but to leave Turkey illegally and come to the UK in 2004. And I started my new life in the UK, I learned the language, I did my school degree, and I uh, qualified as a solicitor in 2016, and I stood for parliament in the last election as well.
1: Well, Kabe, just before we get into that and and what you're doing now, just take us, you said you came from Turkey illegally. Into the UK, but what were the mechanics of that? Did you walk across Europe? Were you in a car? Did you go by a boat across the Channel, as we're seeing now? What was the actual mechanics of that bit? I I, I came in a back of lorry.
2: Uh, I spoke to the agent, who said that the only country he could send me was the United Kingdom, and the reason for that he was doing that because that was uh, the one that he could charge me the most money. So at the back of lorry, I changed the lorry twice before reaching to the UK. I genuinely didn't know which countries I was passing through. So I could just assume that I must have passed through either Greece or Bulgaria. I must have passed through either uh, France or Belgium to come to the UK. So that was the route that I took and that was the experience that I had. And uh, when they were changing the lorries with other refugees were trying to reach to a safe country. We were separated from each other. So the first group of people that I got into a lorry in Turkey, in Istanbul, were completely different people that I joined in uh, the last lorry, yeah. which I came to the UK.
1: So Koe, after, I mean, just as... just to take us into that, you, you, you emerged from this lorry in the UK. And yeah. then, I mean, you are an illegal migrant. What on earth could you actually do at that point? Did you have somewhere to live? Could you find a way of getting money? I mean, in the most basic terms, how can a migrant who arrives like that survive?
2: I I never consider myself as a migrant. I consider myself as a refugee, someone whose life was certainly at risk in three different countries, Iran, Iraq and Turkey. And when I arrived here, I was fully aware of the refugee convention and the UK was a signatory to that. So when I arrived in the UK, I immediately went to the police station, claimed asylum, and I said that I've come to the UK to claim asylum. And I was fully aware that I didn't have any money. I I didn't have anything with me at that point. But I was fully aware that there was a mechanism in the UK. And I got that knowledge when I was in Turkey and I claimed asylum through UNHCR. But I can, from my experience, I can tell you that many people are not aware of these factors when they come to the UK and when they claim asylum. They genuinely have that expectation that there should be a mechanism to look after these people, consider their asylum claim. If they are accepted, then they should be allowed to stay in the UK as a refugee. And if they are not accepted, then they will be removed to their country.
3: So, I mean, just picking up on that, how easy is it now for somebody to come to the UK, uh, legally or not, and successfully claim asylum? Because the rhetoric is certainly that there are so many people coming over, legally or not, and are entering the country that we do or don't know about. How true is that?
2: Well, it, it really depends on the facts of the case. If someone has left a country like Eritrea, illegally and coming to the U.K. and claim asylum, whether legally or illegally, uh, arriving in the U.K., that person will be granted refugee status. If you are looking at a country like Syria, where there is a civil war, regardless of how you have arrived in the U.K., whether you came on a visit visa, student visa, work visa, it doesn't really matter. The situation in the country is so terrible that the U.K. government or any European government Uh, signatory to the uh, Refugee Convention, cannot return anyone to those countries. So when you are looking at the number of people coming to the UK, you really need to look at the broader picture. Each case is different from the other one. Each case is different from another one. Even if people come from the same country, from the same region, from the same nationality or race, they could have a completely different Uh, case, different claims. And that's why we have got that mechanism in the UK that the UK authorities are interviewing them and they are asked for supporting documents in support of their claims and their asylum claims are are considered in the UK. So if I can give you an example, anyone comes from Syria at the moment, as long as they haven't committed crimes against humanity, as long as they haven't committed genocide, as long as they haven't been part of Assad's regime, and they are opposing the current regime then they would be granted asylum in the UK regardless of how they have arrived in the
1: UK. But Kabe, if people would say to you perhaps, I'm sure they might, some of the people that you represent possibly are feeling that they're in their own country the economic prospects aren't great it would be nice to move to a country where they feel the economic prospects are better or perhaps the social services the social support is better so they make up something about how they've been oppressed and then they come here they tell their story in an attempt to gain if you like economic advantage now people see that in this country as unjust what's your view
2: well, we need to look at that point very carefully. We have got a mechanism in the UK that the UK government is interviewing people and asking them questions after questions. Sometimes these interviews are taking a day or two days. Sometimes these interviews are taking significant uh, number of um, hours to find out whether the person is telling the truth or not. So there is a mechanism to find out whether the person is telling the truth. Of course, we, we should appreciate and understand that there is a significant difference between someone who is a refugee and someone who is just coming to the UK for a better life. I have every sympathy with both groups. I, I was a refugee until I was uh, granted a British citizenship in the UK and became a British citizen and lost my refugee status after that. But I have every sympathy with people who are willing to travel and take dangerous roads to come to the UK for a better life. But we must understand that the UK has got a system which can distinguish between people who are coming to the UK and their lives are at risk in their own country. And I do believe that majority of the UK population are supportive of providing support and help to those group of people. And in terms of the others, the UK government has been really active in trying to find out those people who are not telling the truth and have been active in trying to remove them from the UK. The UK has got an effective system. The problem in the UK at the moment is, instead of spending money in that effective system, which is in in the place, unfortunately, we are spending significant amount of money on just publicity, on just trying to show that we are tough and it is difficult to, for people to come to the UK. The last few weeks recent have been disproportionately identified by the government. Pretty Patel is going with who, With a cameraman to, to, to the border of France and the UK and is trying to make a political point. Whereas she should have been at Westminster, she should have spoken to her political advisor and trying to say, look, these are desperate people. We should not allow a tragedy like the one that happened in the back of Lorry. 39 Vietnamese people died in that tragedy. We should try to make sure that people are not taking this risk. We should mm-hmm. make sure that we are working together with the French authorities to find a solution for this problem and making sure that people are not taking such a risk to put their lives at risk but whereas unfortunately i do understand that she is a politician she is trying to appeal to her voters i do understand that majority of the voters voting for conservative party
5: right. would like yeah.
2: a tougher immigration Control, but that is not the solution for for the whole problem we are
3: facing at the moment. It is so an Carly, international When there's crisis. talk of yeah. taking back control, when people like Priti Patel and Boris Johnson use that rhetoric, is that all it is? There's no substance behind it?
2: Well, I, I haven't seen it.
3: Um, I, in all fairness
2: to the current government, it, as soon as they came into power, the coronavirus. Started and they have been dealing with the pandemic and recently with the recession as well. So I can understand that nothing has been done since the new government has uh, has former government and started running the country. I do understand that. But personally, I do not see Priti Patel and Boris Johnson to be effective leaders to be able to control uh, the the border of the UK. I think they are just making some statements to make sure that they are going on the media and make a political point and nothing else.
1: Bloomberg Westminster. Listen weekdays at noon on DAB Digital Radio in London.
0: What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you?